title of this message, Great Expectations. And so we're going to walk through today, we're going to through, walk through the first 12 verses of, of 1 Peter. And, um, and I've entitled this message, A Living Hope. I want you to understand this morning at a deep level, and listen, we're going to swim in the deep end of the pool this morning, I hope that's okay. And we're going to understand this issue of, of a living hope. And, and so over the next 10 weeks, we're going to go verse by verse, and sometimes word by word through the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to gain everything that Simon Peter has for us in the scripture. And so Simon Peter, this, this is a letter that he had written, and it was circulated around to a lot of the, a lot of the local churches of, of their time. <coughs> And so he was speaking into their issues. And so let me help you understand the culture context, the issues that he was speaking into. So here's what was happening in their time. Well, Simon Peter makes a statement. We'll read the verses in a little bit. Simon Peter makes a statement. He says, though you're experiencing some trials for a very short time. And I'm like, really? Some trials? When you understand what was going on in the first century, I mean, Christians, the people that he was writing to, these Christians, they're being persecuted for their faith. I mean, Nero in, in 64 AD burns Rome down. I mean, burns Rome down to the ground for political gain and then blames it on the Christians. Say the Christians did it. Nero did it. And he threw the Christians under the bus. And as a result of that, the whole community turns against the Christians. They all believe that it would be better if we get all these Bible-believing Christians out of our society. Sounds familiar, right? And so all of a sudden, the whole community turns against these Christians. And as a result of that, they started torturing Christians. They started burning Christians at the stake. Uh, I mean, it was like wheels off in this area of persecution. They would take Christians and drag them into coliseums and feed them to lions just for entertainment. And so all of a sudden, Simon Peter comes along and says, Hey, I know you're dealing with some trials, I'm, but I mean, they're deep trials. And then he speaks into the life and he tells them, But you have this, this, this living hope. Here's the interesting thing about this Simon Peter never brings up their issues. Never even talks about what's happening to them. You know what Simon Peter does? He goes deeper than that. He goes, hey, I want to encourage you. You have this living hope. And so he gives them three encouragers of how to get through trials, how to get through difficulty, how to get through suffering. Maybe you're here this morning, and you know what? You're in the midst of a trial right now, and you need some encouragement. Well, I'm going to give you some encouragement this morning straight from his word. Maybe, maybe you've come out of a trial, and, you, and you're still trying to make sense of some things. Then I'm hoping that I can help you make some sense of that. And guess what? For all of us, I mean, wherever we are, we're either coming out of a trial, in a trial, or guess what? We're going into one. So every one of us needs this message, and we need to understand this thing. So, so Simon Peter gives them three encouragers of how to make it through life when life turns upside down, when life is difficult, when you go through those times. The first encourager that Simon Peter gives them, and we're going to walk through these verses together. You'll see it unfold. And so Simon Peter, the first thing he says, is you, you should be encouraged because God has chosen me to be a part of his family. God has chosen me. God has chosen you to be a part of his family. In other words, the first thing that Simon Peter says, he just kind of ignores their problems. He just speaks into their situation. And he says, guess what? God has chosen you. Maybe you, need to, maybe you just need to hear that this morning. That guess what? God has chosen you. God, it, it, it's, it's a great thing to be chosen, right? It's a great thing to be wanted. It's a great thing to be needed. And what Simon Peter was trying to help them to understand is, guess what? God has chosen you. Here, here's how he phrases it, verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with his blood, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. What a great encourager. You know what? This morning, wherever you are, 
May grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in your situation, in your questions, in your season of life. I mean, every one of us, I think if we're honest, we could say, you know what? We need more grace and we need more peace, right? There's something about this world. There's something about the challenges that we face. To have someone just stand up with the authority of God and say, guess what? May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Here's what Simon Peter's saying. He's saying that, guess what? Your salvation is of no accident. Your salvation was not a fluke. Your salvation was not an accident. In other words, what he's saying is, is God knew you before the foundations of the world, and he chose you. He knew your life. He knew everything that you would do. The good, the bad, the ugly. And yet, he chose you. I mean, the scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. And so Simon Peter is trying to help them to understand that, guess what? You are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, he is with you. If you are a child of God, he is for you. If you are a child of God, there's nothing that can happen in your life that can separate you from the love of God. I mean, Simon Peter is just like drilling this home. He's trying to help them understand that even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of when you feel like God is distant and God isn't with you, he is reminding you, guess what? God is with you and he has chosen you. I mean, when, when you look at this, he, he chose you because you deserved it? Absolutely not. Because you've, because you've earned it? Absolutely not. Because you lived a perfect enough life? Absolutely not. Watch this, verse 3. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to, so here's why he chose you. It's fantastic. According to his what? Not just his mercy, his great mercy. According to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again. And then here we go to this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, in my, in my old school, like leather paper Bible that I, <coughs> that I still study with, I mean, I have circled, highlighted, asterisked this issue of great mercy. You know what he's saying? He chose you not because of your performance. Not because you earned it. Not even because you deserve it. I mean, listen, you could, listen, this issue of salvation, you could not work hard enough. You could not live a perfect enough life. This stuff that is out there that everybody, someone goes to heaven as long as they do more good stuff than bad stuff, that is not of Scripture. That never comes out of Scripture. Listen, you know what the Scripture says? The Scripture says that heaven is only for perfect people. None of us can live a perfect perfect life. As a result of that, we need a perfect sacrifice. We need a perfect person that atones for our sins. And you know who that is? That is Jesus Christ. That's why Simon Peter said, by the sprinkling of his blood on the cross, not by your performance, not because you earned it. It's the sprinkling of his blood on the cross. And guess what? When you come to the place to where you accept him, you ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and there's this transformation that begins happening in your life. In other words, there's fruit that comes out of your life. There's evidence of that transformation in your life, and you're in his family. You know what he says? You can never get kicked out of God's family. It's possible to get kicked out of earthly families, right? Some of us have gone through that. It's, it, you know what the psalm says? Even though your mother and father may forget you, I, the Lord, will never forget you. I, the Lord, am ready to receive you. In other words, this issue of salvation, what Simon Peter is trying to help us to understand, when you know him, when you're in your family, regardless of what happens the rest of this year, regardless of what happens in 2020, you will never be removed out of his family. So the first thing he does is say, God chose you. The second thing is this, is God is working in your life. 
God is working in my life, even in the midst of persecution for these guys, even in the midst of trials. God was working in their life. God was doing something in their life. And, and this is how he encourages them. And, and guess what? God is, God is working in your life, even when you don't feel like he's working in your life. And a lot of times in problems and trials and situations that we go through, and I just tell you, that's when God is working the most in our life. You, it, it is possible, right, for, with emotion and as humans. And we can go through a problem in life and we feel like God is distant. We feel like God is a million miles away. That may be your emotion telling you that, but your emotions are lying to you. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says that, that I, the Lord, will never leave you or forsake you. That I will walk with you in the midst of problems, in the midst of pro- difficulty of life. Even when you feel like God is not doing anything in your life, that's when he's doing the most in your life. In verse 2, he says, according to the foreknowledge of, of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace just be multiplied to you. When you, when you become a Christian, there's, there's two things that God does in your life. <coughs> he cleanses you and he changes you. It's just so important to understand. So he cleanses you by the sprinkling of his blood on the cross, where you're totally and completely forgiven. You're deeply loved in him. You're perfect in Christ. You're lacking, listen, you're lacking, you're lacking nothing. And so, so he, he, he cleanses you. The theological word for that would be justification. He justifies you to the Father. In other words, that you go to heaven on his ticket. You go to heaven because of what he did for you on the cross. And so he justifies you just as you've never sinned, but he doesn't leave you there. The second thing he does, he changes you. Theological word for that is sanctification. Sanctification is just a big word to say he changes you. He is making you more and more like, like Christ. In other words, he's always molding us. He's always molding us to look more and more like Christ. And so what he's telling us is that when you and I go through problems, listen, is when we go through problems, man, God is working in our life. And listen, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, and you're going through a problem right now and you think it's hopeless, it is not hopeless because you have God. It is not hopeless because he chose you. It is not hopeless because you're his child. I mean, now listen, I'm, I'm telling you. But the difference is, is do you have a dead faith or a living faith? See, that's what Simon Peter says. And so there's a difference in a dead faith and a living faith. A dead faith, or I'm sorry, a dead hope and a living hope. And there's a difference in that. And so if you have a dead hope, you know what dead hope is? Is to where you tie your hope to this world that's dying and decaying and going away. A dead hope is this. You just kind of hope. I hope my life changes. I hope my life gets better. I hope God puts this relationship back together. I hope my kids come back home. I hope I get a job. I hope I get a raise. I hope, I hope my health improves. I hope, I hope, I hope. And then when it doesn't happen, then all of a sudden you're discouraged and depressed, right? And see, the problem is, is you have a dead hope. The only way, and this is what Simon Peter is trying to help them understand, a living hope is not tied to this world. A living hope is tied to him. A living hope is tied to eternity where it cannot change. If you're going to have hope in this world, you have to have a hope, a reference point that is outside of this world. Your hope has to tie to something. Because listen, we know this. This world is going away. This world, listen, this world is not evolving. It is de-evolving, right? I mean, we're watching it. And what Simon Peter is trying to help us understand is we have this living hope, and God is working in our life. And so you will say, well, how is God working in my life? Well, we're going to jump down to verse 7, and the reason we are is because I'm telling you that the central theme or the important verse of this, of this scripture, and we're going to look at it, is verse 6. 
But the only way we're going to have a chance of understanding verse 6 is we understand all the verses around it. So, so we'll come back to it, so don't worry. So verse 7, watch this. This is how God works in my life. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so all of a sudden, Simon Peter says, you know the reason you go through problems, you know the reason you have trial, is so you can find out if your faith is genuine or not. You know what happens when we go through trials and problems? We find out where we're placing our hope. Where they're placing our hope in this world, we place our hope in him. I mean, it's, 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 this, is, this is the issue. And then he goes on when he uses his phrase, and may be found in the result of praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying? There's rewards in heaven. And you and I are going to be rewarded for our faith. And, and heaven lasts for eternity. I mean, listen, every, even, even if the problem that you're in right now lasts your entire life and you have to live with it, that is light in comparison to eternity. And so Simon Peter says this issue is just so important for us to understand. He said he's testing the genuineness of your faith the same way that you refine gold. You know how you refine gold? You heat it up, right? I mean, you heat it up to the place to where the gold uh, begins to melt. And then as, a, as the gold melts, the impurities and foreign objects begin to float to the top. And then you take those foreign objects and you, 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 know, you, you skim off the dross, you skim off the top. And then sometimes, I mean, sometimes you have to go through this process to get the gold pure. You, several times, I mean, one time doesn't get it. Several times you have to do that. And so what he's saying is, you know what? He's saying the same way, that God tests the genuineness of your faith. Listen, faith is not faith until it's been tested. Faith is not faith until it's been tested and you know it's genuine. The way that you and I walk through problems and situations, the way that you know that you're a believer, one of the ways, is when you go through problems, where do you put your faith? Where do you, where do you put your hope? And there's a lot of times, right, when you and I, and, and man, I'm in the same boat with you, that we can, we can go through in life, we can go through testing, and all of a sudden it's like the fire has turned up in our life, and then some, some impurities of our life begin floating to the top. Some, some foreign objects that are not of the Christian life, they begin floating to the top, right? That ever happened to you? To all of a sudden you realize that, you know what, this needs to go. This belief needs to go. This action needs to go in my life. See, this is what he's doing. And so, it, it, man, I'm telling you, if you're feeling heat these days, if you're feeling the pressure is on you, God is working in your life and he is testing your faith. He is working, he is refining you. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4.17, he says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He says the short time of, of problems that we have that we're going through will gain us the richest blessings in heaven. And so Simon Peter tries to help us understand, and he's moving to the third encourager. He's setting it up to the third encourager. He is telling us that God has chosen you, that God is working in your life. And the third and the last thing is this, and God has secured my future. The reason that we can have a living hope is, guess what? God has secured my future. God has secured your, when you're a child of God, when you've come to that place where you've accepted him, you've asked him to become in your life, you're a Christ follower that God secures your future. And so verse 5, and so we're working now. We're going back. We're working up to verse 6 because that's where it is. And so verse 4, watch this. He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable. So he's talking about your salvation, okay? 
to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So you know where your salvation is? In heaven. You know where it's kept for you? In heaven. In other words, what he said, God is reserved for his children, the priceless gift of eternal life. And it's kept in heaven for you. And it is pure and it is undefiled. And it is beyond the reach of change or decay. In other words, four different ways that Simon Peter is trying to help us to understand how it is being kept for you. And, it is, and he's given you the priceless gift of eternal life. How long is it eternal? It's forever. This world is temporal. This world is going away. And so you and I cannot put a price on eternal life. And so he comes to this place and said, you know what? You're not the one that keeps your salvation. He's the one that keeps it. And so Simon Peter gives us good news, and he says, once you have the gift of salvation, guess what? It cannot be taken away from you. In fact, he he points this out so much that he helps us understand this four different ways that God has given us. He he says, it is kept in heaven for you. In my Bible, I mean, I I have circled that word, kept. Um, It is pure. It is undefiled. In other words, that means nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can spoil it. It is beyond the reach of change. And there's this thought out there. And and I talk to so many Christians that wonder, am I really going to heaven? I mean, can I lose my salvation? And you do not have to struggle with it. I'm telling you, God does not want you to worry about something that is so important. God wants you to know that you know that you know. And one of the ways that you know is what Simon Peter says is that when you and I go through trials, where do you put your hope? Where do you put your faith? And then he goes on and says, because you see, people that doubt their salvation, they have this belief that they're the ones that's keeping their salvation. In other words, it's up to them. The best way I can illustrate this to you is just a story, just a real quick story. And as you know, many of us uh, left and we went to Mimbezi in Zimbabwe. We, we, did, we did missions there. And so one of the things that we did is once we, once we got through all the customs and we left Bulawayo and we got into Mimbezi, we got to the compound where we were, we were staying at. And, you know, electricity was on and off. Water was on and off. It's a crazy deal. And so our, our, our host said, we need, we need, every, we need everybody's passports. We need to, we're going to keep everybody's passports. Uh, we, we need to keep everybody's passports so we know they're secure, so we know we don't lose them. And quite honestly, that was really unsettling for me uh, because I've done a lot of missions to where you had to keep your passport on you at all times. And if you were asked for papers and you didn't have papers, then you're, you're going to jail. That's what's happening to you. You know what you're going to? You're going to jail. And so that was a little unsettling to me. And so that wasn't the case there, but security of the passports was. And so because we trusted our host, because we trusted the person that was asking for it, we knew that they were trustworthy. Uh, we all handed over our passports, no problem. Now, if you know anything about me, um, I tend, when I do missions, I tend, when I travel internationally, I obsess about my passport. You know why? Because I know it's my ticket home. I know without my passport, I am not getting home. And so I obsess about it. And so when I have my passport, I have a, I have a compartment that I use in my backpack where I keep my passport, Karen's passport. And I'm not exaggerating. If my wife is here, she'd tell you this. I will check our passports probably 20 times a day. And I mean, sometimes within 15 minutes of each other. And Karen will catch me. She'll look over at me. She says, so what? You think your passport got up and ran away after you checked it the last time? I mean, where do you think it is? What do you think happened to it? And she kind of makes fun of me. Well, here's the crazy thing. 
when I handed my passport over to our tour host, when I, when I gave it to them, and I, and I knew they could be trusted, I knew it was locked up and safe, I never worried about my passport again. Never worried about it again. You know why? Because I knew it was locked, I knew it was safe, I knew it was secure. I knew it wasn't my responsibility any longer is there. See, the reason many of you sometimes deal with this issue of wondering if you're really saved is you think it's up to you. You think it's up to you. You think there's something you can do to lose it. There's something that, because you understand it, it's our ticket to heaven. I mean, without that, there is no heaven for us. There's no eternal life. And so I'm telling you here this morning, you know what? You know what? who has your passport to heaven? Not you. You know who has your passport to heaven? God. And it's kept in heaven for you. It is pure. It is undefiled. It is without decay. And there's nothing that we could do to lose that passport. And then he goes on and says, and watch this. He even, he even emphasizes this even stronger. Verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded. Guess what? You know who's guarding your passport to heaven? God. You know with whose power? God's power. This is what Simon Peter is trying to help us understand. Who by God's power be guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last days. So all of a sudden he says, you know what? I'm guarding your salvation. There's a lot of things on this earth we can lose, right? We can lose our car keys. We can lose our job. We can lose our income. We can lose our home. We can lose our cars. We can lose our savings account. We lose our 401k. I mean, there's a lot of things we can lose in this world. But what Simon Peter is saying is, there is one thing you cannot lose, and you cannot lose your passport to heaven. Once you're saved, once you're his, you're in the family of God like forever. I mean, Simon Peter, because see, here's something about problems, right? So sometimes we can go through trials and problems when you say, where is God? Simon Peter says, I can tell you where God is. God is working in your life. God chose you. God has secured for you a place in heaven. And God has taken care of you. Then he goes on, verse 6. So here's the verse, and watch this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. Those two words, if necessary, very important. I could, I could preach an entire message on if necessary. One day I am. I'm going to preach a title, a sermon. I'm just going to call it if necessary. Watch this. He said, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So all of a sudden you read this verse and you go, you know, is this a contradiction? What is up with this? He says, you rejoice and you grieve. So which is it? I can almost hear the voice of my granddaughter, Nessa. Nessa's like four. And I mean, she is like all girls. She is all pink. She is all glitter. I mean, I mean, and she is all drama. And so, I mean, she is, she is all drama. She has two brothers. They don't understand her. She doesn't understand them. And so, uh, and so when you tell Nessa something that Nessa doesn't understand or it shocks her, she puts her little hands up there and she'll go, wait a minute. Are you telling me? Okay. That's what she says. And so I can almost hear her voice when, when I say, when, when Simon Peter says, as Christians, we rejoice and we grieve. I can see her throw her hands up and say, wait a minute. Are you telling me we rejoice and grieve all at the same time? And, and Simon Peter says, that's what I'm telling you. That's what, that, that's what I'm, see, this is a mystery. This is, I promise you this is a mystery of the Christian life. We can rejoice and grieve at the same time. Some of you know about this, Right? Some of you have walked through trials. Some of you are, listen, I'm telling you, some of you are walking through trials right now. I've talked to many of you. 
I've been in nursing homes. I've been in hospice. I've planned funerals. I've been in hospitals. Some of you could do a better job probably of communicating this right now than me. You're the heroes of the faith. And some of you know, right? You know. You're in it. You've been in it. And there's those times in life that you rejoice and you grieve at the same time. You rejoice that you have an inheritance. You rejoice that you're not of this world. You rejoice that he chose you. You rejoice that he loves you. You rejoice that he's working in your life. You rejoice that you're totally and completely forgiven. You're deeply loved in him. And you have a place in heaven one day. There's a room that is reserved for you. But you still grieve. Man, God's word is real. See, this is why I love God's word. God's word is real and God's word is true. And God's word talks about real life stuff. And I'm telling you, there are people in our church right now and they're going through difficult stuff, and they're not celebrating. You know what they're doing? They're, they're crying. They've lost a job. They've lost a mate. They've lost their health. They've lost a child. Man, the Christian life is true, is true and real, and it's about faith. Listen, let me just tell you something just real, real quickly. This is like for free. Do not believe people that tell you that if you come to Christ, you start following Christ, that everything's going to work out for you. You're a health and wealth and prosperity and you'll never have a problem. Listen, you know where that comes from? That does not come from the Bible. It comes from the pit of hell. It's not of the scriptures. It's not of the Bible. You know when you'll live your best life? You will not live your best life now. You will live your best life in heaven. In this world, there's problems. In this world, there's tribulation. And so that's what Simon Peter is trying to help us to understand understand that we rejoice and grieve at the same time and there has to be a balance if listen if you go listen if you go through problems and all you do is rejoice and you deny the hurt and the pain and the circumstances around you you know what happens to you you become plastic and you become fake and nobody's going to believe you right i mean it's like are you even in touch with reality but on the other side if all you do is you focus on the grieving you know what happens to you? You focus on the grieving, there's no rejoicing in your life, then what's going to happen to you is you're going to become a, a depressed, joyless Christian to where, you know what, you're going to forget that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The, the secret to the Christian life is knowing the fact that you have been born again. And I have this living hope, and it's not tied to anything of this world. I mean, you could take everything from me. But I still have an inheritance. I still have heaven. And Simon Peter says, yes, we suffer trials. And he says, we suffer grief. You know, you know the word for grief? Grief. That's what the word is. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came for me to explain that? <laughs> listen, when you're a great Christian, and you're, listen, you're, and you're, you're going through a difficult time, don't let another believer come up to you. And say, what is the world wrong with you? Why are you grieving? Claim God's word and be happy. That is not reality. You know what we need? You know what encourages us? We need believers that have walked through the fire. The body of Christ. You know what the body of Christ needs in these days? We need men and women of the faith that have been in the valley of the shadow of death that can step into your life and says, I have been there. God is faithful. God is good. And God will see you through it. 
Because guess what? I've been there. I mean, that's what we need in the body of Christ. See, the person, listen, the person that does not have God, all they have is pain. All they have is pain in this world. But the person that has God, you know what we have? We have a living hope. We have a living hope because our hope is not tied to this world. And he goes, in this, this is what Simon Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice. In other words, sometimes we walk through pain. If you could put verse 6 back up here, I just want you to see this, his phrase. And so here's what he says. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. That bothers me, right? If necessary. If necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So who, who chooses? Who chooses if necessary? Who chooses if necessary? The fire needs to be turned up in your life. Your faith needs to be proved genuine. Your faith needs to be tested. I'll tell you who chooses. God chooses. And that should give us comfort. When we go through trials, when we go through difficulty, and the fire has been turned up in our life, then we know that it's come through the permission of God. And guess what? His hand is on the thermostat. He's the one that holds that. He's the one that controls that. So when you go through trials, you can be encouraged if necessary. It came by God's permission. Now listen, doesn't mean that we understand it. Does, listen, just real quickly. The worst suffering that you and I will go through as believers, I'm just telling you, we're just real this morning. The worst suffering that you as believers will ever go through in life is when you're walking through a season of trials just like these first century believers. And you're doing everything right. You're worshiping him. You're serving him. You're giving in a life group. You're reading God's word. You're studying God's word. You're prayed. And you go through this trial. There's no reason. There's no justification. Simon Peter says that's when we remember. If necessary. If necessary that we can trust in the sovereignty of God. There's some people, I'm just telling you, some people, that's this issue of, of purifying of faith. Sower in the seed, just real quickly, that think they have a relationship with God. Then all of a sudden, the heat comes up, the sun comes up, and they wither away and they disappear. They didn't prove their faith genuinely. There's something about this issue of problems that helps us to test our faith. Faith that is not tested is not faith. And that's why the body of Christ, we need believers, we need men and women that can stand firm with authority and say, I've been in the valley of the shadow of death. And I can tell you this, he is faithful. He will never leave you, he will never forsake you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you because he is a good, good father. And we have a living hope that is not tied to this world. And it's in heaven for us. And he's the one that is guarding it and protecting it. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?